Hi, dear audience. It's the beginning of February and I just wanted to, yeah, thank you all for actually joining this podcast. This is episode 23 and it's a funny feeling, but in episode 21 and episode 22, for the first time I had the feeling there was something going on in this podcast and it felt a little bit like something going viral and that is probably the case because uh, a lot of people liked Rebecca Winkels and uh, so so that episode it was the first time that actually within three days it was streamed more than 120 times and I haven't had that uh, before and there you see again that it really just takes time and patience so I've been doing this podcast now for over half a year now we've had more than 20 episodes and now something is happening and it's it's really interesting to see because I can see it in the data obviously and it's you know it's not crazy much but we are now on a, yeah almost 3,500 streams but something is happening so I just really want to thank you for, for joining me on this um, on this journey with the science communication accelerator podcast and Thanks for spending the time with this with this podcast. It means the world to me because, you know, I want to support you and I want to support the system that we make more science available. And I think every minute and every second that you spend with this podcast, um, you might be the ones to accelerate this mission. So so thanks for joining. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, another idea that I had is to actually engage more with you, with the people who are actually listening to this podcast. And on social media, I asked if, whether some people have questions and if they can send me audio uh, files. And I got audio files from Heba, Gianluigi and, uh, and Luca, for example. But I would love to answer more questions on science communication. So if you have a question and you never really knew where to put it or whom to ask, this is your chance. Make a little recording of, I don't know, 30 seconds, six, uh, 60 seconds. Say who you are, what the question is, and then I'll put that into the next episode of the Science Communication Accelerator podcast and make a session just with your questions um, to provide more value to you. So that will be really cool. So let me know what questions you have and then uh, you can be on the podcast if you like. Obviously, if you can also just send it by email and say, don't say my name, um, that's, that's fine too. Alrighty, so let's get started with this episode. This episode is a mashup episode um, with more specific uh, information and strategies than the mashup episode that went out some weeks ago. I think it was, let's see, it was episode 15. So now with episode 23, this is a mashup episode again with uh, the audio tracks from videos that I made and shared over social media in the last years. And altogether, there will be eight short videos and they will be quite varied. So you will, for example, learn in the first one how to balance different social media platforms. Um, the second one is about repurposing of content. The third one is two, you will get to know two tips on how to make your research paper specifically more visible, how to increase the quality of your posts, how to get more followers on Twitter, five general suggestions on how to create visibility for your science, uh, how to support researchers to do science communication, for example, when you work in the communication department. And uh, the last video or the last track here is about um, motivation for small universities and research centers actually to start with SciComm because very often when I talk to rather small entities I feel that they say yeah we are so small we can't do anything but no it's you are small but there is a lot of development opportunities here there so these are the eight videos that you're gonna listen to in this episode if you stick to the end all right enjoy let's go Hey there, how to balance social platforms? Well, when you enter this 
social media world, it can be sometimes a bit overwhelming. That's okay. That pretty much happens to any one of us. And sometimes you might not really know where to start. Do you start on LinkedIn? Do you start on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever other networks that are out there? But no worries. You don't really have to go all in on all platforms at once. The key thing is that you start. And it's totally okay to start with one platform only. So what I suggest that you do is that you choose one platform that kind of fits your target group um, demographics. So if you want to have some more industry um, deals, then you should go on LinkedIn. If you want to reach journalists and politicians, you should go on Twitter. And if you really want to uh, reach the younger open society, you should go on Instagram. Um, and then what you do is that you start with one of these platforms and then you put out content there and you learn. And when you eventually feel more comfortable with that platform that you chose, then you can still start going to the other platforms and um, interacting there and putting out content there and see what content works on these other platforms and how you have to contextualize it. But if you want to be smart, then you do the following. And is that you start only with one platform, but you already go to the others and uh, select your account handles so that no one else can use your handles. So I tweet and I post on Instagram and I post on LinkedIn all under the same name. It's always Julius Vesha, always my name. That's important so that people find you also when they find you on other platforms. Okay, so the, the most important thing is that you just relax, start with one platform and then you take it from there and you get better and you start putting out more content and eventually you'll go to other platforms as well. I hope that helped, see you soon. I was just mountain biking, the helmet is in the back, and just said, was just listening on the way back to an episode of the Buffer Podcast. Buffer Podcast is a really cool podcast about social media marketing, so if you're interested in that, check it out. And they talked about multiplying content, and I was, and then I started thinking, like, how can we as researchers actually multiply our content? And then I realized it's actually super easy, because... Um, when we write things, when we write a report, or when we write a paper or something, it takes time. But once it's there, we have it in one format. That's mostly written document, yeah? But you can easily multiply it. Uh, you remember, the, 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 the three things are audio, video, written. So if you already have it written, you can definitely directly make a video about it. And you can definitely also make it into an audio file. So video could be you share a video uh, on YouTube, you make another video for IGTV. Um, and then you make another video for your Instagram story. So that's video multiplying. And then audio multiplying could be that you make a podcast about it, or maybe there's a podcast at your institute, um, and you ask whether you could ah, you could be there <laughs> uh, and do an episode with them. So it's actually pretty easy. It's just like, think of what you've got, and then think of other formats, how you could also present it to the people out there that might be interested in your topics. Yeah, these were my two cents for today. Hope you have a nice evening. Bye-bye. Are you interested in increasing the visibility of your research in the research community? If this is the case, then you'll have two easy answers in this video. So, every institute is incentivized to have a lot of research output and they have to make sure that this research output is seen. However, the marketing, what we as researchers do is very often, yeah, 
insufficient. So here are two things that you can do in order to make your research papers that you publish more visible. The first one is you check who were the main sources of reference that you cited. And then you're going to write an email to each of the five people that you cited the most and you think have a lot of visibility and have a lot of output in the community. And you write them an email and say, hey, I cited you and I wrote this in this article and below you can see the abstract and I would really be uh, happy to get an uh, interaction with you and maybe uh, it helps you further down the road of research. And you just send that out to these people and you'll see some of them will answer and um, some of them will also have seen you and have you at, on the top of their mind when they write the next article. Okay, and the second thing what you can do is actually an advanced method of this of this email method and it is that you make a short video abstract about your research paper and the questions that you should answer in this video abstract are the following. First, what is your research question? Second, how did you answer that research question? So what methods did you apply? What were the results that you have collected? And then how did they allow you to answer the research question that you had in the first place? And then when you write that email to these other authors, what you do is you also uh, put a link in the email with your video and this video will then allow them to see your face and build a relationship with you and makes, uh, makes it more likely that they would actually reference your work. So I hope that helps. Um, let me know if it worked for you and let me know if you have any questions. See you soon. Hi, how can you increase the quality of the posts that you create and distribute on social networks? There's two general strategies how you can do that. There's many more, but I want to introduce you to two. And the first one is, which is really easy, that you just look at the comments that you get. And based on the comments, you realize, oh, is that a topic that resonates with people or is that a topic that does not resonate so much with people? So the first thing is look at your comments um, and try to use these comments to increase the quality of the content that you put out. And the second thing is what I call the unicorn strategy. And the unicorn strategy implies that you look for accounts that are similar to yours. So if you run a university account, you look at other university accounts. Um, or if you run an, an account as a researcher person or as a research organization, you look at other accounts that are somewhat similar to yours. And then you flip through their posts and then you look at or then you look for posts that are exceptional. Posts that get substantially more likes, get substantially more comments, um, and get substantially just more views. And then you try to understand what is different in this post than in all the other posts. And then you try to integrate that in your own posts. Um, and like that, you get always some more inspiration um, to increase the quality of your own posts. And um, yeah, that's about it, actually. Yeah, I just had these two thoughts and I wanted to share with them with you. I hope they helped. See you soon. How to get more followers on Twitter. In this video, I'll provide you with five ways how you can increase the number of followers on your Twitter account. Here are five 
easy things that you can do in order to increase the number of followers on Twitter. So the first thing and the most important thing is that you have to provide value to your target group at scale consistently over time. If you don't have interesting content, there's no one going to follow you. So the first thing is you have to figure out what your target group is and how you can provide value to them. Second, Comment on each comment that you get under your tweets. If someone comments you, show these people some love and re-comment on uh, the comment on, from the others. Third, send a message to anyone who follows you and say hi and offer your help. Fourth, send a message to anyone who gives you a like because these people who actually already like your comment are the ones that are most likely to also follow you once you showed them some attention and some love. And the fifth thing is that you should start commenting on tweets from other people who might be in your target group. If you do that, you also show them some love and some attention and they see that you might be able to provide them with value. So these were my five things. Thank you and uh, see you soon. Here come my five suggestions how you are going to be successful in communicating your science online. Let's start. So the first suggestion is that you start early. Don't wait until you have got all your results from all your studies and all your papers. No, start early and document your process. And that's already the second one is when you don't know what to post online and you don't know what type of content to create, just think about it as documenting your journey as a scientist and documenting your methods and way of how you collect data and how you, you present and create results afterwards. So the third suggestion is that you're practical. Rome was not built in a day and when you were born you were also not able to ride a car but Rome was built eventually and you were also able to ride a car so obviously when we start communicating science online in the beginning we have no clue what platforms are the right ones when to post how the creative needs to look like but that's all knowledge that you will gather once you start being practical number four is just post it many of the people that I know are afraid of posting something that is not perfect but it's really important to actually keep a high pace on what you post and so it's just easier to not be perfect on everything but just get in the rhythm of posting stuff and you know what if you're not super professional then you're definitely going to be very authentic and that's actually what people like so the first as uh, so to the fourth point is uh, just post it and the last one the last suggestion the fifth suggestion is the following and that is one is better than zero. In the beginning, most of us have no views. No one actually gives a, gives a crap what we're doing, but that's how it starts. And that's so good because that means that in the beginning, you can actually make a lot of mistakes and no one will see them. So when you start, you'll have one view and not zero views anymore, but I would really encourage you to just value that one view as much as later the views that you will have later on. So these were my five points. What do you have to add? I hope they help you. See you soon. Hey, do you work in a science communication department in a research organization and you struggle with having researchers in your institute being engaged in science communication? If that's the case, then this video is for you. Very often, science communicators that work in science communication departments or in the press department in universities or research organizations really struggle with engaging 
researchers into science communication formats. That's very normal. And if this is the case for you, then don't worry. Many other have the same, uh, the same challenge. And one of the questions that you might ask yourself is like, why are these people who are researchers and in their ivory tower, why are they not being engaged in research communication? Yeah. Why do they not come to us? But on the other hand, you also have to understand that the researchers, um, kind of have the same questions like, damn, uh, we pay these communicators a lot of money and they work for us and they don't come to us and um, give us great uh, opportunities and make it really easy for us to engage in science communication. So you see that there's kind of a divide. So the question is, what can you do? Well, you can't really change the system or you can't change the researchers, but there's two distinct things that you can do in order to engage researchers in your institute in science communication activities. And these are, first, create relationships with the researchers. Very often, I feel that in research communication departments, people don't even know who researchers are really, what they're working on, who they really are. And it's really important to build relationships with them, and then you can approach them much easier. Um, and you can do that by going into their normal meetings that they have in their departments and just really building up relations by talking to them and understanding them what can, what they're about. And the second thing is make it really easy. Researchers will engage in communication when you make it really easy for them to engage. So come with a script, come with an idea for a video, and come with very clear suggestions. If you do that, I swear it will be much easier and they will um, come to you and really be active. Good luck. If you are a small rural university or if you run some university of applied science or something and you're not sure what to do concerning getting more students, getting better people that actually do the teaching at your school, one thing you should do is start communicating and using this great advantage that there is out there with social media right now. And one thing that you should not be confused about is that of course you will never be as good as the people at Harvard or in MIT and Stanford and University of, I don't know, Munich, the technical university or free Berlin or Utrecht or something. But that does not matter because you don't compete with them. With whom you compete is the other more local, more smaller colleges in your surrounding, in the 200 kilometers around you. And of course, you will never be as large and have the crazy good researchers at your place in a lifetime like MIT or Harvard. But what you can do is be better in five years than you are right now and have more students in five years than you have right now and have better people teaching and doing research in five years than you are right now. And the one key to doing that is producing good contextualized social media posts at scale that resonate with the people that you want to have there. And if you don't know how, just give me a shot. Talk to you soon. Hope this helps. All right, that's it for this episode of the Science Communication Accelerator podcast. Thanks for listening up until here. Please remember to send me your audio track with a question so that I can use that for the next episode. And if you want to tweet about this podcast, then I really appreciate, um, obviously, hashtag Psychomax or hashtag Ask Psychomax if you want to share with the world what kind of question you have asked the Science Communication Accelerator. All right, that's it for today. Enjoy, have a really good week, and I'm looking forward to have you on this podcast again next week. Take care.